0: again turn to the book of romans your bibles are probably falling open to romans by now to chapter 1 not just because we've been preaching there for a couple of months but because you are also memorizing it and so uh, again a, a rich exercise as we put the word of god in our hearts so i'm now under pressure to wor- to read word perfect as you all close your eyes and and catch my mistakes but our text this morning will be verses 26 and 27 but as always we want to put our text in its context and so i actually want us to begin this morning in verse 16 and read to the end of chapter 1. listen to the word of god follow along in your bibles Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures." therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this reason God gave them over to degrading passions For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in desire towards one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer... God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. There ends the reading of God's inerrant word this morning. Join with me in prayer before we walk our way through our text this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word. And again, we are recognizing that without it, we would only know of your existence and some things about you, but we wouldn't know the plan of salvation. And so we praise and thank you that you have given us your, the word of God that reveals to us who you are and how we are to be related to you. And you have also laid out how you have created the universe and how you expect us to behave in line with your character. And so I pray even this morning, that your spirit would convince us of the truth of your word and that we would take some things that may be hard to understand or difficult to accept and recognize that you are true and right and just and holy, and therefore we must submit to your word. So again, I pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us this morning that we might see your face in scripture again this morning, I pray in your name, amen. It wasn't that long ago that the, the psychological association put out the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual 3. And in that manual, one of the mental disorders that it put out was homosexuality. It was considered a mental disease. It wasn't until the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual 4 came out that by a very narrow margin that even secular psychologists Overturned that decision, and in fact, there was laws against sodomy, and many uh, in in our country and in the United States, even as far as into the early two thousands. But there has been a rapid change in society, and once once was whispered, once was in disgrace, once was once shameful, is now being trumpeted. As the new morality. It's now being celebrated publicly. It's being flaunted. But it's even gone beyond that because it's not enough for them to celebrate it. You must celebrate it. And if you disagree with it, you are hateful, you are spiteful, you are a threat to society. And the question becomes, how did we get here and how did we get here so fast? Well, Romans chapter one tells us why. Romans chapter one tells us exactly how we got here. We got here because God has abandoned our nation and the people within our nation and our culture because of their idolatry and ultimately has given over them to the full fruit of that idolatry. It starts with sexual sin and it comes down to homosexuality. And so Paul has stated here, here's the problem. The reason we need to deal with all of this is because of God's wrath. God's wrath is coming against those who disagree with God. The need for the gospel and the reason the gospel is so effective and necessary is because the wrath of God is coming. And unless the gospel takes hold, you will suffer the consequences of God's wrath in this life and in the next. And so Paul really lays out in verses 18 to, th- verses 18 to 32 an indictment against all unbelieving pagans. He said the wrath of God is coming. And he says, here's why the wrath of God is coming. In verses 18 to 24, 23, he speaks here of two reasons why God's wrath is coming. Number one, why is it coming? He says because people have abandoned God's law. They have rejected God's law. There's a willful rebellion against what God has said. They know the ordinances of God, but they refuse them. secondly, God's wrath is being revealed because of a willful ignorance of God's person. God has revealed himself through creation. He has made it evident to them and people refuse to take that witness. They refuse to take what God has revealed. They reject it. They suppress it. They refuse to honor God and to give thanks. There's a willful ignorance of God. Now beginning in verse 24, and we started last week and running through the end of the chapter, Paul now answers a second question, not just why, but how is God's wrath being revealed? How is God's wrath being revealed today? And we, we said that God's wrath is being revealed presently, actively in this time. And first of all, we want to we wanna just say this that God's what is God's wrath? We just want to just define We want to understand it just very quickly. Now, it has different expressions, but at its heart, God's wrath is, is that God is firmly opposed to evil in all of, it, all of its forms. Remember, sin is against God and it's personal. It's personal against Him. And God is opposed to all evil personally. Secondly, God is always personally displeased with those who commit evil. God is not just displeased with evil. He doesn't throw evil into hell. He throws who? People. And God is personally displeased with those who commit. He is is displeased with sinners. And this third component is this, that God's wrath means that God is compelled to punish sinners on account of their sin. God's not just against evil, and he's not just displeased with sinners, but he must punish sin, and he must punish the sinner. And so Paul here now begins to reveal how God's Wrath is being revealed, and as we said, he's broken this really into three sections here. Each section starts with this idea of what God gave them over, verse 24, verse 26, and verse 28. And he's talking about God's wrath against those pagans who refuse to worship God in spite of the evidence that has been set before them. The first way the pagan experienced the wrath and abandonment is that God abandons them to what? Sexual sin. And we looked at that last week. He says, therefore, God gave them over what? In the lusts of their hearts to impurity. God doesn't make them that way. He simply withdraws His restraining grace and allows men to have what He wants. And the consequences that come. No, specifically, he abandons them in verse 24 to impurity, to uncleanness. It's almost used exclusively in the New Testament of sexual sin. And he did this, why? So that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And so God has given them over. Why would God abandon the idolatry to sexual sin? Well, Paul says, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged the truth that they saw in good of God in creation for the lie of idolatry. God abandons the sinner then to pursue the lusts of his heart and to commit, sexual, to commit sexual sin of their idolatry. Now today we're going to see a second way in which God abandons people in his wrath. And he abandons them to degrading passions. He degrades them to degrading passions. Notice verse 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, the men also abandoned their natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another. Men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Now in these brief two verses Paul gives us really six truths or six statements about homosexuality. And we need to understand the teaching here and we we need to make sure that we are determined to believe what is taught and to accept the word of God on homosexuality as the final word. God's word is unchanging. God is unchanging and timeless. His truth is, untim- is timeless and transcends whatever may happen in the culture around us, whatever the new ideas that may come. And so this morning, we have to be determined as we listen to this to submit ourselves to the word of God. It must be the authority. It must be the final answer and we must go nowhere else. Now the first, dec- the first statement that Paul makes, the first truth that he expresses here about homosexuality is homosexuality is an, in- an in- increased expression of God's wrath of abandonment. It is an increased expression of God's wrath against, of God's abandonment. He says in verse 26, for this reason, what? God gave them over. And again, we said last week, and we want to make sure, it's not that God just walked away. Even he, It's... And the fact that he removed his restraint. But God made a judicial decision to walk away. He recognized the consequences of his abandonment. And God chose to give them over. God God didn't just throw up his hands. But he made a judicial decision that he would abandon them and give them over. Now he says for this reason. And that again, again refers back to verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. This is why he gave them over to degrading passions. So the reason God often abandons the sinner to homosexuality is his what? Paganism. Because he refuses to worship the true God, because he refuses to take the truth that he has, God gives them over. The word passions in Greek, as in the English, pictures a strong, compelling desire, a description that Paul follows and makes clear that that kind of desires he's talking about, and those desires are homosexual desires, and the sin of acting on those desires as well. Now, it's interesting here because this, this word Passions here is is a little is a different word than the word lusts in verse twenty four, and it's it's an intenser word, it, it, it's a stronger word, and it has the idea here of in verse twenty four he gave them over to lusts, but here he is giving them over as it were in in the fact that now they are by nature lustful, they are by nature um, act they, they are by nature those who are lustful. And it's, it's really out of these passions come out of that nature of being lustful come the actions that follow. And so there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of a, just a, of a ratcheting up here. Before he gave them over to a lust. But now he says they are, they are actually characterized by being lustful. This is who they are. There's this seething, uncontrollable passions that they have. One person says it it is the idea, it's the disease condition out of which lust springs. Now we recognize that, and I just want to make it clear, sin is not a disease. All right? We're not talking about anything physical here, but we're saying it's a disease of the soul. The idea here is that it, it is the condition, and now he has given them over to the condition of being lustful. And he says that degrading expression of God's wrath is homosexuality. And God invariably abandons pagans and pagan cultures to homosexuality. You only have to look at the history of the world, you will see it everywhere. In fact, the Greeks not only accepted homosexualities, but they wrote about it as being the ideal relationship. The Romans, it ran rampant. In fact, it's estimated that 14 of the 15 emperors were homosexuals. And every major culture ultimately turns this way. And as they, as they turn to sin and as they, as they, often as they have conquered and as they, as they have time, this is an expression that ultimately comes through. And every major empire has fallen. This has been part of the problem. This has been an expression that has come to fruition throughout the culture and in the leadership and ultimately softened the empire and they have fallen. It's interesting to note, there's really only been three cultures that have resisted this in history. Christianity, Judaism, and a religion that has really taken the principles of Christianity to some degree Islam. Every other culture has had an, ultimately led to an acceptance of this lifestyle. So make no mistake, homosexuality is often the expression of an increased sense of God's wrath, of abandonment. He has given them over even to a deeper sense of sin. Well, homosexuality is not only an increased expression of God's wrath, but Paul says here, secondly, that homosexuality dishonors those who practice it. He says, for this reason, God gave them over to what? Degrading passions. Literally, to that which is not honorable, not worthy of respect or reverence. It brings humiliation, disgrace. And Paul says, this is what happens. Similar to what happened in verse 24. They are dis- their bodies are dishonored. And there is now being given over to shameful, dishonorable conduct. And it ultimately degrades those who participate in it. And so Paul says, this actually brings homosexual behavior, brings dishonor and shame to the entire person who nurses and pursues those desires. So Paul says it brings dishonor. Thirdly, Paul says, not only does it an expression of God's wrath, not only does it bring dishonor, but he says homosexuality. Now listen to this very carefully. Homosexuality is a sinful choice. Homosexuality is a sinful choice. Notice verse 26. Their women exchanged, active verb, they exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also men, active verb, abandoned the natural and burned in their desire for one another. Paul is very, very clear that, there, that the women, what, exchanged. All right? In other words, they gave up one thing for something else there was, it, it, there, it's an active tense here indicating that these women made a deliberate choice to exchange the natural for the unnatural. This was a deliberate choice that they made to do this. Same with abandoned. It conveys a basic ide- action that causes separation. Now listen to this. It was used, for example, of the action of dismissing a wife. And it says that the men, what, abandoned the natural function. They dismissed, as it were, women and burned in lust for one another. This was a deliberate choice. They took those impulses, they acted upon them, and they went after them. Now, before we go too far, I just want to say this. Because one has suffered homosexual desires does not mean that you have been abandoned to God's wrath. All right, I just want to make that clear. Because you have had sexual temptation in this area does not mean that you have been abandoned to God's wrath. Any more than being tempted to murder someone, right, makes you abandoned to to God's wrath for murder. The idea is that if you indulge in this, and this is the idea of of giving over completely to this, all right? So we, we don't want to be saying... If Oh, I had that temptation once. Now everything is over for me. I'm under the wrath of God. God does not just abandon, as it were, us to that. Because one time we had that expression. And so I don't want us to go away feeling heavy this morning as if it is all over for us. So Paul says, this is a deliberate choice. This is a deliberate choice. And what's very interesting here is this. Is that, well, we'll get to that. But he says, this is a deliberate choice. Homosexuality, people are not victims here. They have made a deliberate choice to do this. Fourthly, I want us to see this. Homosexuality is against the created order. Now, Paul spends most of his time in this text exactly there. Paul says, For the women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire for one another. Now, Paul again addresses the women before the men, and there's been some debate as to why he's done that. Some have said, well, it's because women are less likely to be go down this track unless men go first. Um, some have said, well, um, as, as some have said, there's even a sense of surprise here where Paul says, even the women have done this. This is what sin does. This is what paganism does. It could be that Paul actually just wants to, get to put them first and he spends all of his time on the men. But either way, Paul, is, Paul says, first of all, the women exchanged the natural function for the unnatural. Now we have to define those terms. The word natural refers to that which is in keeping with the basic order of things in nature or in creation. Unnatural literally means against nature or contrary to the basic order of things in creation. So when Paul says unnaturally means against a created order what God has established in creation. Now it says the function here, and again he uses it twice in these verses, and it's actually a euphemism. It's a, literally a, a, a word for a state of intimate v- involvement, that is sexual intercourse. And he's saying they have given up the natural function and they have burned for one another. Literally means to be on fire. It's an intense verb. And he says homosexuality is, is, is something that is, is ultimately causes you to burn it's against the creative order, and it goes. It causes you to fall into sin deeper and deeper. You remember the men in Sodom, when the angels showed up to Lot, and the angels came into his house, and the men of the city came to what? to lie with them, and God struck them with supernatural blindness. And you would think at that point they would be like, well, maybe there's something going on here. Maybe I ought to stop. But this is the corruption of sin. And this is what, when it talks about burning, this is what we're talking about. Because these men, what? They weary themselves trying to what? Find the doorway. They exhausted themselves because they were burning so strongly with this desire. And this is what we talk about God's abandonment because it goes beyond the, it goes beyond the normal, beyond the natural, beyond the, even the sexual drive of the normal heterosexual. They said it was not uncommon for, and there are exceptions, but it's not uncommon for homosexuals to have 300 partners. That's not normal not even in our depraved heterosexual world a coroner who did 60,000 cor- who had did 60,000 autopsies said he could tell when a body came in that had been mutilated and and debased that it came from a homosexual relationship because of the violence and the burning that was involved in those relationships. And this is what God says. When he gives it over, he gives them over completely and they, they debase themselves and go even farther and they burn unreasonably in passions that they cannot control. And so they have given up what God has created to be. We know in in Genesis that God created them what? Male and female. Now what's interesting, guess what words that Paul uses here? We've got it translated the women and men. He actually uses what? Male and female. In the Greek, it's male and female, not man and woman. Paul is making a point. Gender goes with what? Biology. They, they are not separated. Sexuality, God has created in a certain order, right? He created them what? Male and female. He said he created what? He created Eve and she was what? Suitable. She was the right for him. For this reason a man shall what, leave his mother and father and the two shall become what? One flesh. There is no third category of homosexuality. There's no fourth category of, of transgender or any other gender. God created two. He based it in gender in the very beginning in biology. He created you with a body that was to be used for his glory in the, in the way that he intended it to be. He intended men to be men and women to be women and to exercise the bodies that God had given to them the way that he had declared it to be. Jesus affirmed this in the New Testament just in case you think you're Well, that's Old Testament stuff, Pastor. God's changed. Paul said the same, Jesus said the same thing. From the beginning of creation, God made them what? Male and female. There are two genders. And God has intended sexuality to be made between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. And he says when homosexuality takes place, it inverts what God has intended to be. It's interesting. There used to be this discussion of what? The homosexual lifestyle, right? Sexual lifestyle. Or sexual preference. But not anymore. It's been repackaged. It's been re-put forward. And now what? It's biological determinism. You were born that way. You were born that way. But Paul says, no, actually you're not. You were born male and female and God has called you to be that way. You are inverting the order that God has created. It is according to his design. He's designed male and female. He's designed how you are to behave and how that is to be expressed. And we must accept that. So Paul says, homosexuality is an increased expression of God's wrath. It dishonors those who practice it. It's a sinful choice, and it's against God's creative order. He created them male and female. Fifthly, Paul says this, homosexuality, the acts of homosexuality are shameful. He says in verse 27, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desires towards one another, men with men com- committing indecent acts. Indecent. Again, really refers to a want of form, disfigurement, disformed, indecency, obscenity. It means to act in defiance of social and moral standards in regard in resulting in disgrace, embarrassment, and shame. Now, in describing it this way, Paul takes us back to the Old Testament law. If you look at Leviticus chapter 18, God describes how his people are to separate from the sins of the nations. Leviticus chapter 18 beginning in verse 2. Well, beginning in verse 1. He deals in this chapter with sexual sin. Look at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what you have done in the land of Egypt where you live, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statues. All right? You are to perform my judgment and keep my statues, to live in accord with them. I am the Lord your God. Now go down to verse 22. And here is one of God's sexual commands. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. This text destroys the idea among some that God only forbids homosexual rape or homosexual prostitution. God they would say God allows consensual homosexual relationship. But what Moses says here in verse 22 is crystal clear. All homosexual acts are forbidden. In fact, you'll notice when he says there, an abomination. We don't use that word often, but the word in Hebrew speaks of what is repugnant and repulsive to God. Abhorrent. Says, don't do this because what? If you're God's people, how can you be what, doing something that's repugnant and repulsive to God, an act of re- clear rebellion against His design? Chapter twenty of Leviticus, verse thirteen, Pope Moses adds this insight: If there is a man who lies with a male, and those who, as those who lie with a woman both of them have committed a detestable act there's blood guiltness on them now this text adds two things to our understanding first of all it assigns moral culpability in the homosexual relationship both to the active and passive partner he's closing the loopholes And it adds the, in th- that the Old Testament Israel, when God was king, homosexuals' acts were requiring of death, pe- the death penalty. Why? Why for this? Because it's an abomination, repulsive and repugnant to God. Because it's, what, again, against his design. It's a clear act of rebellion against divine intention. Moses says they're detestable. This is God's view of homosexuality. Sixthly, Paul says this, homosexuality comes at a very high price. Look at the end of verse 27. Those who commit these things receive in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Now there's some debate as to what Paul means here. And to be honest, we can't be absolutely certain. I'll give you a list of some of the options. Some say it refers to the high psychological price of committing these sins as opposed to some others. And there certainly has been clear evidence that the suicide rate, depression rate, and other factors that go along with guilt of committing this sin are higher than the normal heterosexual population you'll be hard-pressed to find them now but they are there secondly some refer to diseases such as aids etc certainly there are we would say with all pros with being promiscuous there's always going to be the danger of transmitted disease would we say that aids is a judgment specific on homosexuals no it's given to It's often given to innocent people. But we do know that it is transmitted more in a community that is more active. There's a third possibility, what Paul means by this. He says the expression, their error, in verse 27. There are some commentators who say their error is not talking about their homosexuality but their error of forsaking the true God for idolatry. If that's so, then the penalty of their error may be referring to homosexuality itself, which is the result of their error of idolatry." In other words, their error is idolatry, the result is homosexuality. There's another possibility that it means uh, it refers to eternal punishment that they receive the due penalty of themselves. Now, I would say that I think that there are that God is speaking here of the wrath of abandonment and that the consequences are here. Certainly, we know eternal punishment is coming. But certainly, they are receiving within their persons, within their bodies, the due justice. And I think there is a sense in which maybe the first few ones are actually all tied together as God abandoned them to their sin. Regardless, what this passage teaches about the sinful, uh, sinfulness of homosexuality is very clear. It is straightforward. It is not complicated. It is not hard to see. And it must be accepted. If the word of God is from God and it is without error, then we must accept it. Yet in spite of this clarity... Many who within Christianity will still try to wiggle out under the banner of Christianity, I should say, will try to wiggle out of this. As we said earlier, some would say he's only confronting non-monogamous homosexual relationships. Now, if we work through the text, does it say that? Does not say that at all. Some would argue that you um others would say it's only dealing with abuse of homosexual relationships but is there anything about abuse here Is there anything about rape or any other kind of activity here No in fact it says what they burn for what one another The implication is what it's consensual It's actually an indication that they are following their own lusts and their own desires. Others argue that he's only condemning homosexual acts. It's only the act that's the problem, not the desire. But Paul but the Bible says he gave him over to what? The lusts in their what? Heart. This is coming from them, right? The desire is sin. So there are, there are many dodges, but none of them stand up to the clear teaching of the word of God. Now as we come to the end here, I want us to understand several things. As our society continues to go away from God, as it continues to deny even the existence of God, as it continues to go towards idolatry, our nation will get worse. The people within the nation will continue to go farther and farther away. So don't be surprised that the moral degradation that you see in society will continue to go to places where you cannot imagine. It probably already has. There will many be many people who will come along and make a case that we need to move on, that God has changed, that things are different, but God is unchanging, His word is unchanging. We must believe His word. Let us not be influenced by the culture. And we must recognize. That's the solution to our cultural problem is salvation of the individual. Because the lust is in the heart. And if we want to change society, we need to give people what? The gospel. The gospel is the solution. This is what Paul is saying. This is why he starts speaking for, about the gospel. Why do we need the gospel? The wrath of God. And the only solution to getting out of God's wrath is what? The gospel I want to say this. For those who are in homosexuality, that does not mean that God's wrath of abandonment has to be per to be permanent. In other words, God can save you. He can change you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 what such were what? Some of you. And remember, believer, when you come to salvation, you are no longer who you once were. You are now classified, not as a sinner, but as a saint. You are no longer identified with the sins of the past, but with your Savior. God can rescue and change homosexuals. He can change them. He can save them. He can make them new. And I want to tell you something. There's this teaching out there that our expectation for homosexuals is, that, is this. We expect them to be what we call uh, celibate homosexuals. The Bible does not know anything about that. There's no such thing as a celibate Christian homosexual. The very desire for homosexual sexuality, according to scripture, is sin. It is against God's design and it is sinful. And our expectation should be this, and it should be, and I want you to listen to this, is with every single sin in the world, is that true biblical change as the Holy Spirit changes you and molds you and convinces you of the truth of Scripture is this, that the sin that you perform that was automatic, easy, and comfortable, God will change you to obedience to him so that the act of obedience will be just as comfortable and automatic and, and natural as the sin that you were. And the expectation is God can transform you so that you will live a fully heterosexual life. And for most homosexuals who come to salvation, God has a design of marriage in Genesis chapter 1 that is expressed for them. And we would expect them to live out the design that God has created and his order in their life. It is not enough to stop a sin. We must be obedient and replace it with what God has commanded us to do. I would say this. If you struggle with homosexual lust consistently and you act on it consistently, you're not a believer. It doesn't matter how, what profession you made. It doesn't matter how long you've gone to church. It doesn't matter how much you say, say you love Jesus. If this controls your life, Scripture declares for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, that's the mark of an unbeliever. I also want you to recognize that as a believer, when these desires come, you must repent. It does not mean that if these pop up once in a while, you're an unbeliever, but you must repent of those desires. You must never give room for them. You must kill them. You must put them to death. You must deny them. Consider what the members of your earthly body did to immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, sexuality, covetous, which amounts to idolatry. We must not tolerate it. We must not coddle it. We must ask God to give us, grant us repentance. We must go to his word and be transformed. There is victory in this area. If you're a believer, God says there's no temptation taking you but it's common to man. God can what? He can give you victory. You don't have to live in defeat. If you're an unbeliever here today, God says actually he can free you from the enslavement of homosexuality. From being enslaved in sin. Right? Paul said in Romans chapter 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written but the righteous man shall live by faith. By placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ trusting in his perfect life and his sacrifice on the cross, his death and resurrection and making him Lord of your life, he can transform you. He can change you and he can make you into a a pleasing disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not the end. God can save. And so Paul says, here the wrath of God is being revealed, but guess what? The good news of the gospel means that God can rescue you from that wrath. He can change you and make you whole again. Let's close in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word. And we have been bombarded by a society that has told us that your word is in error. That we are judgmental and unloving. Help us to recognize that your ways are right and true. And that unless we ring the bell and tell others of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and of your wrath that is being revealed, they will ultimately not only suffer your wrath in this life, but in the future. Help us to recognize that it is loving to recognize what is good, what is right, and what is true. And to proclaim those to a lost world. I pray that you will convince us of the truths and that we will hold to them Lovingly, but unabashably as true, I pray. In your name, amen.